0: New Howdy, you're listening to Come and Take It, a talk show about Texas by Texans, where three friends born and raised in the Lone Star State share our views on the history, culture, and just what it means to be Texan. I'm Mike Zulkowski. I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. Willie Nelson is one of the all-time great Texan musicians. I think we can all agree about that. But... His struggles for success in Nashville before finding his sound are quite legendary and covered in an earlier podcast. This week, we compare and contrast some of the songs that others made famous in Willie's early days. But first, what's your favorite live music in a bar experience in Texas? Um, well, I need to, I need to ask for a ruling. Does a dance hall
1: count
2: as a bar? Do they serve beer there? Yes. Then I'd say that counts as a bar.
1: Okay. Well, one of, if not the favorite live music experience I've had in a bar in Texas was seeing Willie Nelson himself at the Texas Hall of Fame in Bryan, Texas. Um, it was just amazing, wonderful experience. Um, so I'm going to go with that.
2: I could say all the Hagfisher or Wiener shows that we went to down in Deep Ellum over the years, but I actually my favorite is going to be uh, going with my good buddy Mike Z to karaoke at the old Double Wide Bar in Exposition Park, uh, which is not far from Deep Ellum. And uh, we went to karaoke, uh, and we heard one night I heard this guy do this amazing, amazeballs balls version of Billy Joel's "Scene from Italian Restaurant," which I don't like Billy Joel, but this guy was phenomenal. It's great, good place. Mm, mm, mm. Seems well, hang on, fellas. let me show his guitar
0: right here. No, uh <laughs> No, um, I, I would say, if you're going to count a dance hall, you know, I, there was a cool thing that happened years and years ago. There was a reunion of my dad's old band, and they played uh, in Kosciusko right down there, and a uh, little little dance hall baller. and that was pretty awesome. I mean that that's that's pretty that was that was pretty cool to see all those old school guys. But I, I've I've seen so many music um, musical acts in in small venues. It's tough to think about this. You asked a hard question this week, Sean. I'm just gonna say my dad, cause you know. There you go, my dad. There you go. No no answers wrong. No answers wrong, folks in Texas except except, except for Code Four. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask. Um, you know, or a terrible, terrible blues band that does nothing but bad Stevie Ray Vaughn knockoff stuff. <laughs> yeah.
1: um, at the time, the student union at UTD did not sell alcohol. So the uh, coffee house performance of Mike and Austin playing Man Down Under does not make the list. No. But that was a good performance.
0: That was, was fun. I, 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 he, you know, he he, only had to leave the country, so... <laughs> he lives in Norway now, folks.
2: Scandinavia now. Austin Bingham, if you're out there.
0: We salute you. Come home to Texas, boy. Texas. Willie Nelson once told his friend Waylon Jennings, who'd been invited to record in Nashville, not to go, because they will break your heart. His early years in Music City, the home of the Grand Old Opry were full of struggle and strife as he earned a reputation as a talented songwriter who just couldn't seem to connect to the Nashville audience despite live success in Texas and other touring markets. This week we we'll take a look at a number of songs that Willie wrote which became famous for other people.
2: Right, and this is before he really found his voice, uh when he left Nashville after his house burned down, took that as a sign, and he left Nashville and he we talked about this. He recorded Shotgun Willie and and uh phases and stages and the redheaded stranger and really really found his voice but this is early willie you know when willie had no beard and he had his hair was cut and he wore suits uh and this was the time uh when he was working in nashville so uh the first one is going to be a song called mr record man this is actually probably one of the first songs he ever sold uh, he wrote it in 1957 uh 57 58 somewhere around there and he sold his song to a singer named uh he tried to sell him to a guy named larry butler for uh fifty dollars but butler wouldn't buy the re- the album uh, buy the song he just paid him fifty dollars so he could pay rent and got him a job singing at, the, at a club uh, so then he sold uh, to s- sold some other songs, and this was one of them.
0: There was uh, something. About the first
2: version is from Willie, uh, from his album "I Wrote the Songs," uh, and this and was his first album.
0: From trouble, sleep, and cry her name.
2: Uh, So now we're going to hear another version, and this is from 1968 from a singer named Jeannie Seely. Uh, Jeannie Seely was a member of the Grand Old Opry. Grammy Award winner for the song Don't Touch Me uh, and she's in the Country Music Hall of Fame she's a noted singer and songwriter from the, that era of country music well you know the, the crazy thing to me about this song in my version I think of this is
0: he did an amazing live album in the 70's and mm-hmm. on that he which was recorded you know, we were just, we were just teeny tiny kids when we recorded that and basically babies he goes you know i wrote this song about 50 years ago and then he goes mister record man <laughs> and it kills me because i think he felt old in 1977
2: <laughs> yeah 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 well and he actually recorded a, re-recorded most to all of these songs later mm-hmm. when he had more control over his own sound uh, you can definitely tell there's this is the nashville sound um I think the Nashville songs, to me, sound, he's a little out of, he's not, he's not connecting with, with these bands. And the bands, the, the, the session musicians playing these songs were like fantastic musicians, amazing musicians. And they were very polished and, and the production was very slick. Nashville was known for, for that. But he, he just doesn't sound as comfortable. But I think the other thing is that this his version has kind of a, I don't know, kind of a bounce to it. Um, well, I would say this. You know,
0: that, you know, when you listen to his, and there's actually some really cool uh, early demos that have been released. So even if you don't have them, you can get them on Spotify now. You can hear all these very early demos that he recorded, and all those demos are really interesting because it's it's again they're very plain, kind of naked songs. They're very pretty, but they're just they're they're demos, and his early recording of this just it has. It has a lot of bounce, it, has, it does have that bounce and skip, but I like that version too. I like both versions, they're just, mm-hmm. they're so different, in, right. and I think the performance, but the lyrics are great, the song's wonderful, it doesn't, you know, that's the beauty of, of I think what you're going to hear in these songs, is it doesn't
2: really matter who does a version of these songs, because you like them both. Right, and Unless Jeannie... Yeah, and Jeannie Seely was a polished songwriter and and producer actually herself, but she was definitely in that Nashville mold, the just a very smooth, beautiful voice, uh, you know, with the with the beat and with the rhythm. And, and Willie Willie had a never was really he he was ahead of the beat on a lot of the songs. It was kind of all over the place, in terms of where the beat was, uh, whereas you know Jeannie is is more of that Nashville sound of. Very smooth sound. She she actually there's a version of this I think from Porter Wagner's TV show where she's singing it and it's really really pretty song. No, I mean it's it it is very
1: interesting to hear hear the contrast between them. But um, you can what I find interesting is being so familiar with um, the Willie Nelson that we know um, this early in his career he hasn't quite gotten that signature sound to his voice that i that i've always known so um yeah that, that was what was most interesting to me of, of hearing these these early renditions of the songs it's like you yeah you know it's a good song but there, there's something that's not quite uh, willy about it if that makes sense
2: right so the next song is going to be a song. Uh, it's actually one of Willie's most famous songs. It's called Family Bible. And to give you a little background on this song, Family Bible, he also wrote this in the early 50s, and he tried to sell this to his friend Larry Butler, and Larry Butler refused and gave him a loan instead. But he ended up selling the, uh, the songs to another guy named Paul Buskirk, who was a guitar instructor. And uh, he sold the song to him for $50 and the cost of dinner which Willie, didn't, Willie Nelson didn't have money to pay for his dinner uh, so Busker purchased the song and Willie sold it outright so he lost the rights to the song uh, Willie would later record this numerous times and he'd have to pay to record this song hmm. now the versions that we're going to and then, so this song became a hit uh, for a singer named Claude Gray he took this to number 10 on the country charts uh, and it was his biggest it was Claude Gray's biggest hit uh, so uh, this, the version that we're going to hear from Willie Nelson is actually from a little later. It's from the wonderful, wonderful album uh, Yesterday's Wine, which is actually my favorite Willie Nelson album, which is like one of his very last Nashville albums. And he actually was starting to sound a little more traditionally Willie. So let's listen to both versions. You know, Family Bible's
0: one of those songs that, uh, I don't know, it's a great tune. It's, a, it's so... Old school and and what it has to say, and it's definitely feels you know from On the modern recordings because there's so much live tape and in, in video Willie. It's paid modern, it feels like one of those songs that just is a comfortable old chew for him, and has something to say.
2: Yeah, I it, and I think this version. I think his version has much more of that later Willie sound to it. Like I said, yesterday's wine is a fantastic album and, but it, it's, it's got a more stripped down sound and doesn't have quite that lush, you know, Nashville orchestral sound that Claude Gray's does I mean Claude Gray. Yeah. I'm sure he was a fine singer. I'm sure he had some hits, um, but at the same time um, he didn't sound much different than most of the fellas that were, you know, performing on the Opry at the mm-hmm. time out of Nashville. So yeah, it was it's I think it's the strength of the song. Now the crazy thing is if you look at the credits for yesterday's wine, Claude Gray and Paul Buskirk are credited as writing Family Bible. A song that mm. Willie Nelson wrote.
0: Yeah, interesting. <laughs> hey man, you know, uh, I've said it before I said it again, the federal statute for murder is uh, you know, you put that on a cocktail napkin, but uh <laughs> The copyright law of North America—that—that's a whole library in and of itself.
2: Yeah. Well, there you
0: go. Yeah. I no, I mean,
1: my my thoughts are are along the same lines. That just the the Claude Gray version feels very, uh, you know, what I would almost call like over polished in some ways. But uh, you know, that's a different kind of sound, and maybe people like that better. I don't know.
2: Yeah. Okay. So the next song is actually a very famous song it's called Nightlife uh, Willie wrote this song again in the late 1950s he sold this song to Bus Kirk and uh, so he lost all the songwriting rights to that song um, but it, he actually did record it on uh, some of his albums But most famously, the singer, legendary country singer Ray Price uh, actually bought the song and recorded it as the title track of his 1963 album, Nightlife. Uh, It became a hit. It reached 28 on the Billboard Hot Countries uh, chart. So some of the other folks who sang this song, actually, uh, Doris Day recorded a version of the song, Aretha Franklin. Frank Sinatra, B.B. King, who did another, he did a couple of versions, one of his own and one with Willie Nelson, Dottie West, Don Ho, uh, Dolly Parton, and the rock group Thin Lizzy recorded an album called Nightlife and used the song, the title, and the chorus, uh, but made up some new lyrics for their version of the song. And David Lee Roth even recorded one, in 19, a version in 1994. Zibby Dabba doo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's listen. Let's listen. So this will. This is the Willie version that we're listening to right now. Man, I, I need a scotch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <to> this song. <laughs> so let me just say a couple of things. First
0: of all, Ray Price is one of the greatest singers. That guy had buttery smooth voice, and this song in particular. Listen, we're talking about Willie Nelson tonight. I got a lot to say. The thing is. um, the, you know i love ray price i love all of his singing and in fact and willie and ray did an amazing uh life. duet album uh called i think it's got run it by me one more time and drowning in deep They do a lot of classic like these classic me. country songs together and it's just delightful go find it but with this song in particular is interesting is the original version is very smooth and has something to say but again if you jump to those Later 70s, or the, even the more modern versions of when he does play this, I mean, it, it's it's like he's taking a whole bunch of trucker speed when he plays it. It's it's jangly, it's an energetic opening. And in fact, in that famous uh, live album he did in in the 70s is great because he does all a bunch of these hits are his opening. He does about six of them together and does maybe 45 seconds each, and he just zips zaps through them. It's great. But nightlife is—I mean—it's a great song. It's got a point of view. It's
2: well written. It anybody can do this song and make it amazing, but Willie does it in his own way. I mean, this song is—you know—Willie. Willie said a friend of his once told him that there's only two songs ever written: the Star-Spangled Banner and the Blues. Uh, and <laughs> this song. This song is so bluesy, jazzy, and I think Ray Price's version is for such a legendary country singer. Ray Price's version, I think, is even more jazzy than Willie's is. I mean, it's, yeah,
1: I was I was thinking the same thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it settles into a groove, and it's just Ray Price's version is so smoky and and just you can just tell this is this is a bar, and there's a bottle of scotch and a glass and a highball glass and that's it and that's that's what's going on
0: well i will i will highlight that uh for music geeks out there country music geeks on the ray price version the steel's played by buddy emmons who's just a living legend in, in pedal steel uh moment so that that performance is just out of sight but again both versions good i can listen to the song twice i can listen to the song three times four times we can just keep listening to it over and over
2: yeah, and Ray Ray Price's song is actually longer. It's it's a bit longer than Willie's is because uh, I think it has more instrumental fills, like the the steel, the steel slide, and things like that. Ray Price is never in a rush to get anywhere. No, no, no. That was that was great about him. Okay, so the next one is another early hit from Willie Nelson. Uh, this is a famous song. Uh, it was written in a little studio that he had. Uh, in Nashville and it was a tiny little shed basically and he wrote it and it's called Hello Walls and it's from the perspective of someone who's just frustrated with life Uh, he took this song to Dottie's uh, bar which is right next to the Grand Old Opry where all the singers and songwriters sat and drank and the, the the other musicians were making fun of him and Farron Young who was a famed country singer said I'll sing that song Willie offered his sell it to him for $500 Farron Young said no I'll give you a loan you get to keep the songwriter credit and so he recorded the song and we're going to hear Farron Young's version of it Willie's
0: first
2: Willie's first royalty check was $17,000 which today is $147,000 uh, in, between 1960 and today and it's said that Willie Nelson ran into the bar in the Tootsies and found Farron and gave him a full on kiss on the lips Farren said that's the best kiss I ever got Hello Walls
0: I mean this is one of my favorite songs just from a lyrics point of view mm-hmm. this song is, is, this, is the, this is what I, I love about old classic country music is I'm gonna drink myself to a psychotic break
2: and I'm gonna go straight over the edge laughing the whole way down Yep, and I'm gonna write it down on paper and then, she I was it might be the back of an envelope or a napkin I'll bet through this. But I'm gonna write it down. <laughs> I'm
0: gonna I'm gonna drink this bottle of scotch. I'm gonna put a couple of bricks in my pockets, was, and then I'm gonna go walk out so into the lake. Mm. And <laughs> chorus. I'm not sure what the chorus is yet. I'm still working on it. <laughs> Hello, it's
1: it's it's a good song, but I'm I'm not sure I would call it a happy song. Well,
0: no, I see <laughs> that you're
2: still no it's not. But I just love the I'll idea that he. Farron Young gave him a royalty check. It was $17,000 for the very first royalty check. When you'd, when you'd, you'd had to, when you five years or ten years before, eight years before, you'd had to borrow $10 to pay for food. Well, you know, we talked about, when we talked about William
0: Nelson's early now, life in growing up. He, to tell me he, they were dirt poor. He, yeah. he, his, his grandparents raised him, and his grandfather was literally a blacksmith. I don't know anybody you know in the blacksmithing trade so it was you know but it was they were very poor and so and it, it kind of was a troublesome part of his life is that he he had so little money growing up that he never really had a lot of regard for money in, in his later life so he he tended to get swindled or taken advantage of but
2: just a bundle of talent that guy uh yeah, so you said so the the Rev actually did a whole album of Willie Nelson. The Rev. Covers. He did. Yeah, and he has a
0: great little version of this. It's just fun. It's it's got a nice punk chunka driving beat and that guy's super talented Texan, pride of Corpus Christi. So yeah. uh, I, you know, just just Google all the versions of Hello Walls that you can find. There there have been so many different covers of this. And that's the thing is these are standards and classics. So you yeah. you, you know, there's one Mona Lisa. And <laughs> that Mona Lisa is hella a great, sad country song. But, you know, we're talking about these covers. It's interesting. Everybody, nobody wrote, and there were not writer, artists, producer people. Everybody had a job, and you did your job, and that's what you did. You didn't go outside the lines, and that was part of the Nashville system was we had talent, and we had, you know, performance talent, and, and they didn't really cross over. Now, what I do like... Well,
2: well they actually they actually wrote I mean there was a there was some like but the thing is is they all wrote for each other too they all wrote songs for each other. Mm-hmm. Jeannie Seely was a songwriter and she sold songs to Well that's true. you know all these other people because you know Roy Acuff was famous for not being a writer but he was famous for for being a curator of music and that was, you know, he was a singer and a a fiddle player, Mm. but he was a curator of music and that was the big thing I'm I'm looking at one of the covers of of Hello Walls was also Bing Crosby Bing Crosby recorded a whole album of country hits Uh, Oh Lonesome Me and Heartaches by the Number and Wabash Cannonball and I can't imagine Bing Crosby singing Wabash Cannonball I gotta find this album (laughs) They saw they saw recorded each other's stuff. That was the thing. They were they were I just
0: think it's really cool is that it seemed what an amazing kind of time this must have been. I also really like the fact that the album that you link to this is it's his first album is called Willie Nelson and then I wrote and then it had a list of the songs that are on the album. And then I wrote this and this and this and this and this. And you look yeah. at the, that list and go, Wow, that's a great list.
2: Yeah, that's his first album, too. And and it was not a well good seller. I mean, it didn't sell very well. Okay, so the next album, we've talked about this album before. Actually, it's made a couple of appearances on the show in the past. It's made an appearance on our favorite Christmas songs. And it's made an appearance on uh, an episode we did about another Texan. This is Pretty Paper, which Willie Nelson wrote. Uh, and it was on his first Christmas album and his last release of the 70s. Uh, but uh, he had also recorded it previously in 1964. Uh, but before Willie recorded it, a guy named Roy Oberson recorded it. And we we know Roy, Pride of Wink, Texas, uh, who was in Nashville as a country singer by that point, as his rock career. ended. Uh, that voice. Just you can't get over that voice. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is Roy had his... You
0: know, Roy had his sort of sound, too, and, and yes. you hear the choral stuff, you hear the production. And to me, that's kind of the difference between this is, is uh, you know, you can have a quality... You can find an amazing steak in a run-down side of, you know, those little barbecue joints you stop off yeah. and roll the dice every time with Sean. You could find something amazing in there. But you could also go to a, you know and you can see highfalutin place in Austin, Texas and, and get a very, you know, get the same thing prepared in a much finer kitchen. And I think that's sort of the difference to me between these is just the the intentionality and the tone for one is very much of... One is a very raw sound that, that comes across with its own sort of integrity. And these very highly polished versions are good, but they don't, you know, it's... Uh, Punk rock is maybe the best way to think of it, you know? (laughs) The way we felt about Green Day back in the 90s, that's kind of what I'm feeling (laughs) right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, this one in particular, the
1: contrast is like, you know, it's this nice kind of holiday-type song, right? But uh, Willie still has a a sort of melancholy to his Mm -hmm. performance, whereas the Roy Orbison version is more... I guess traditionally, holiday sounding to me.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, Roy's voice sounds melancholy no matter what, just because of his tone of his voice. But yeah, it's it's much more festive and more romantic, I guess, than anything. Willie's yeah, it's, Willie's it's, it's brighter. is brighter. Well, yeah, and Willie's is Willie's. If you listen to the lyrics of the song, it's one of my favorite holiday songs, except it's sad because yeah, it's well, about yeah. a sad person whose yeah. whose love is not there. Uh, so. Hmm. <laughs>
0: This is making yeah. me want to write some sad songs right now.
2: But, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think I, I actually do prefer Willie Nelson's arrangement. Uh, Roy has the voice. Uh, you know, Roy has the different voice. So I love Roy Orbison's version, but I think Willie Nelson's arrangement is better. I think that's the big key, key is a lot of these the differences is really an arrangement more than anything else. OK, well, now we're going to move away from Christmas and we're going to go to a song Willie Nelson recorded in that famous, and then I wrote and if you know these lyrics you know exactly.
0: Everybody knows this song.
2: Right. So Willie Nelson was uh, drinking at Dottie's with the husband of famed, famed country singer Patsy Cline uh, and he's telling him about this song, and they were talking about this song uh, and her husband, Patsy Klein's husband said, "Well, come on," and they went back to Willie's. Uh, they went back to Patsy Klein's house, roused her out of bed at one in the morning, and in her kitchen, Willie got the guitar and played, sang this song for her, and she loved it. And so she called up her producer, uh, Owen Stanley, at RCA Records, and he brought the A team in, the session musicians, and they they were recording the song, and she kept singing it the way Willie had sung it in the kitchen. It was, Willie's original version that demo had had kind of a boom chicka sound to it and she couldn't get past that and the the, the Owen did not like that he didn't want to didn't want to hear it that way so he sent her home in a couple of days told her to come back in a couple of days and they were going to record the backing track so they recorded this backing track uh, and Patsy came back and heard the backing track one time through then said I've got it and they played the backing track and she hit the he nailed the song the first take uh, and, of course, this is the most successful and famous jukebox song of all time. It's Batsy Klein's Crazy. And this was Willie Nelson's probably biggest hit that he didn't have a hit on himself.
0: Well, I mean, this is listen, this is iconic. Iconic performances. And I I think this would be one where you go, hmm. I don't know. Again, these are just... I'm crazy. You were, I don't know what you're expecting from us to say is, well. Patsy Cline <laughs> can go oh. suck an egg! Yeah. No, I mean, it, I think this is a perfect
1: example of the same song performed extremely well by two different people, and they're yep. both very, very good. It, it's, there's no um, ranking which is better. They're just two amazing versions of the same song.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, and this is an example of Willie of Willie being kind of it's really it singing this like a jazz song I mean it really is arranged and sung like like a jazz song he's he's not necessarily with the beat he's kind of had it in places and behind in others he's moving around I kind of see it as the beat he's moving in the spaces between whereas Patsy Klein although her version is very jazzy it's much more bluesy in that she really settles into the groove like her she, but her voice just fills that that space between those those rhythm lines uh i i think i love willie's version i just think it's, it's like you said it's a it's a different arrangement it's a different sound it's a great sound but patsy cline's i mean it's it is literally the iconic sound that she had you know so it's the iconic song of her career of her entire career she only lived another two more years after this so wow but it, this song made everybody I a whole you. ton of money. Yeah, that's a lot of dimes, on jukeboxes. That <laughs> and I have to say, I, I prefer the Patsy Cline
0: version to the Aerosmith version. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Which is not even <laughs> the same version. <laughs> no, it's not even the same song. Nope. I
1: have been thinking about that joke all day, and I had to uh, have to say and I'm it.
0: But I don't hate Aerosmith. I just don't no, think we hate it. It's Aerosmith. not a Willie Nelson song. Different
2: oh, Crazy. Right. So the next song is Funny How Time Slips Away. And this was a song that Willie wrote about 1960. Uh, and the singer Billy Walker sang it. So Billy Walker was another one of those country singers. Uh, nicknamed the Tall Texan. He had 30 charted records. but And he was a member of the Grand Ole Opry. But he was just one of those national r- recording artists. But it hit number 23 on the country uh, country charts with this one. The interesting thing is that, oh, that other people had a lot of success with it as well. So 1964, a, a Mississippi soul singer named Joe Hinton, who was on Peacock Records. Uh, this song went to the number one on the Cashbox R&B chart and number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. Uh, and I love that. Well, hello there. It's great. I mean, Willie's, I think Willie's, Willie's version of that is, is tremendous, but Joe Hinton just hits that first note. Uh, Ray Price released a version, Ray Cuomo, The Supremes. Uh, but then uh, a couple of years later, a very great, 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 great singer. Uh, one of my all-time favorite soul singers, Al Green, released it. woo my now. So I... Again, well, we got one more, one more singer. Uh, and then we're going to listen to a version Willie did in 1997, several years later. But one more singer, 1971. Uh, A a young guy, uh, a little-known artist named uh, Elvis Presley, released a version of it uh, on his album, Elvis Country. The thing about this
0: song that makes it so great, again, is Willie... I think country music, especially classic country music, does a very good job of taking you and telling you a story. And it's part of what hooks you in That, And this one has this great twist in it, because it has that opening line... Well, hello there. And you—you you heard just heard uh, six different ways of saying he "Well, hello there," and you, you about seeing the ex. And there's something about that. And when you there's delicious irony in the way he turns the lyrics and he twists the knife for that woman. And he's just he's twisting the knife around, saying, "You know, I'm I'm doing fine," <laughs> and and. Even though she's with somebody else, he, he sets that snare and, you know, says, it, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, of uh, I don't know, there's a lot of sauce on this one. And I think that there's just something in what the song has to say that goes beyond however you package it. And anybody can do this song in just about any way. Maybe not polka. Maybe not
2: polka. Maybe. But maybe so. Yeah, this is a great story song. And I think that's one of the reasons why it's been covered so many times. Uh, Al Green and La Levitt won a Grammy in 1994 for a, a another version of this that they recorded for some for some compilation album. They were, they recorded a duet together of this song. And they won a Grammy for best, best Pop Collaboration with Vocals. So, you know... Uh, and I, I, you can't go wrong. If I, if I love it, singing it in my book, especially if it's Al Green singing with him. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I think the other thing that's interesting, too, is if you look at the
0: and listen to the last version of this, the modern version yes. of what it's become, right. you see that this is really the sound Willie has had for 30 years now. And that... Forty. Forty. Whatever, well, 40 it, I guess yeah I guess four, almost 40 years long, long right. yeah. it's a, a long long time right it's a long time he's hit but he's constantly challenging himself and we talked about this in the way episode He's trying different things he did, he did a reggae album time. and he's done stuff with Snoop Dogg and he does stuff with modern country artists and he does stuff you know he's he now will he's just out there He's running from something, and it, and whatever he's running from just makes beautiful music. That's that he just makes beautiful music wherever he does, and you listen to where he is from a technique in terms of what he does singing. He sings like Willie Nelson, and nobody sings like him. He plays guitar like Willie Nelson, and nobody plays like him. And he has these all of these different facets and, and interesting pieces that he's brought together in it to in even when he comes back and covers this you go wow that he is saying something he is saying something very intentional in the first version but when you hear it now in this modern context you go he is really saying something kind of different but
2: it's still wonderful
0: yeah refresh my mind when was this written originally
2: written in like 1960 basically Yeah, so his catalog
1: is so vast, (laughs) it stretches over so many years, that um, it really is cool to to have this and and listen to it, you know, so far apart. And it's like, it's a good song, but then you hear all these different versions of it, and then you hear him, you know, from just, was it 10 years, well, I guess more, it's about 20 years ago. Um, but still, that that time difference, like you're saying, and it's it's informed differently, and that it, it has a different meaning because it's got the the whole weight of his life on it.
2: Yeah, I mean, he well, he and Glenn Campbell saying this as a duet in 2017 for Glenn Campbell's last album. Mm. Uh, so you know, and he recorded an album. He recorded this as a duet with Juice Newton in 2010, uh, as Juice Newton was wrapping up her career. So. You know he's he's still singing this song. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing we said, you know, uh,
0: <laughs> I mean he's he's encroaching on ninety, folks. I mean, he yeah. is. This is this is a man who is. If he does not win something or is not recognized as the single most prolific artist of several generations or of all time, I don't know who has made more. You know, more art than Willie Nelson. I
2: don't, I can't think of anybody.
0: Maybe Leonardo da Vinci, but I don't think he lived that long. (laughs) Wait, no. I mean,
2: he's, (laughs) I mean, maybe, I don't know. It it is, it's, this is, you know, the only person I can think of that's written anywhere close to as many songs, maybe is Neil Diamond. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know? you know that was
1: that was one of the things I thought about when we started talking about this episode and and comparing you know written versus the the different performances by different artists and I was like this reminds me you know the only person like you said that I can think of that's similar to my knowledge and that's maybe due to my lack of knowledge of the songwriting world is um, like you said Neil Diamond.
0: Well, I I'll tell you the other thing that that the funny how time slips away with that opening made me think of is um, there's a, a that modern, they did that modern twist on the Spider-Verse movie, and there's a whole thing where the kid's very cool uncle says, you just got to put your hand on a girl's shoulder and say, hey, puts Mahershala <laughs> Ali saying it? So it sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. And then he tries it, and he just doesn't sound as cool as Mahershala Ali. And so uh, this occurred, it was like, you know, you can try to say that, well, hello there, but you won't sing it the way that Willie does. Everybody does it different and does it wonderful, but there's no one like Willie Nelson. Yeah.
2: But I don't know. Willie's not as smooth as Al Green was.
0: Al Green's <laughs> is pretty great. All Listen, I, I encourage all of you to listen to these songs. Go out and, and enjoy the playlist. Yeah.
2: Yeah, uh, so credit where credit is due. The, so this episode was inspired, uh, and some of, these, uh, some of these stories, anecdotes, were inspired by and provided by the Ken Burns documentary, Country Music, uh, which has been airing, uh, I think, ten, as we're recording tonight. I think it's the last night, or the show maybe last night was. Uh, but you can catch it on PBS uh, streaming. It is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. It goes in deep into the roots and history of country music uh, and shows that country music is just American music. It's, it's very little difference between country jazz and, and uh, uh, the blues and rock and roll comes from all of those things together anyway. So American music, roots of American music, uh, and Willie Nelson key played such a key and important part in the evolution of American music.
0: Well, I would just say, uh, I've never heard of this Ken Burns guy, and he sounds like a history hack, but. <laughs> no, that's really awesome that uh, this inspired you, Sean, and uh, I'm glad we were able to share this with everyone. So, uh, get a little more Willie Nelson in your life this week. Yeah. He's also got some happy songs, though, folks, so you could look those ones up too. Pretty much get that whole
2: redheaded stranger album. <laughs> yeah no listen to it and listen to it in despair like we all do (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) that wraps things up for today you can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com we'd love to hear from you so like and share us on facebook follow the show on twitter at texas podcast or go to brainstable.com and leave some feedback you can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com and why not follow us individually too i'm on twitter at mr java I'm Max Schaum, two ends. And I'm Scotticus. Now, you know you love this show. You love Willie Nelson. You love Texas. So why are we even talking about this? Get out there and help us out. Tell your friends about what we're doing and go leave a review on iTunes, because that really helps us to find listeners just like you. And if you'd like to support the show financially, please visit patreon.com slash Texas podcast, where you too can become a come and take it Texas Ranger. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas wants you anyway.